Hello and welcome to the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm Anna, editor at TICE, the leading cybersecurity site for high-level security experts. Apologies, we've not been able to publish for the last couple of weeks. I've been away on various press trips to glamorous Monaco at Cybersecurity Connect UK and at Tanium's Converge 18, held in a rather chilly Washington, D.C., We'll be sharing a few interviews recorded from both events over the next few weeks, so lots of great content to look forward to. Which brings me nicely to this week's guest. I spoke with Tanium's Chief Security Officer, David D'Amato, last week at their annual conference, Converge. We discussed a whole range of topics, how he thinks the cyber skills gap could be bridged, how WannaCry could have been avoided, lessons he's learned along his career path, as well as how to talk to the board effectively. As usual, I'll be back at the end of the podcast with a cyber tip of the week. But first, here is David, who begins by telling me about Tanium's latest business resilience study, which reveals that while 96% of business decision makers claim business resilience should be core to company strategy, only 54% say that it definitely is. So why are they struggling to take action? Here is David, who gives us some background to the study. Yeah, so we, we spoke with 4,000 uh, professionals, uh, both IT and security professionals, to really ask them to give us their understanding of business resilience. And what we found was that there was a, a fairly big consensus that it's an important topic, uh, but a lack of consensus on how to actually solve the problem. And so we, we wanted to dive a little bit more into that. And generally, we found that there were a few challenges. So the first challenge was uh, and I think most individuals in either IT ops or, or security will recognize this, is um, the difficulty in integrating lots of different solutions. So as organizations build out many different point solutions, they have to integrate those together, and that introduces a ton of complexity. Um, and that, of course, is an enemy of security or efficient IT operations. Uh, the second area um, was... Um, challenges with not not only just integrating solutions, but actually supporting them. Um, so each of these point solutions requires a resource to support them and care for them and feed them. And that is an extremely hard thing to come by today with, we know, uh, everyone knows, it's difficult to hire people in the security industry today. And so to have a unique resource to facilitate and service every tool you have can be, uh, an exo- it can be exhausting for your budget. Uh, it just may not be achievable uh, for your hiring in your organization. So um, that was definitely uh, another challenge. Um, so those, those were two of the primary reasons we saw in terms of either being able to integrate them, to talk together, to, to actually formulate and understand what your workflow is, what your process is, and get meaningful data out of them. And then also that need to then service all these different components uh, and actually support them. So those were, those were two of the primary reasons we, we, we saw that most organizations struggled with that resilience. And what most concerns you? Uh, as, a, as a security professional, so as a CISO, what most secu- concerns me is that, that lack of efficiency and that complexity. And I think uh, you know, the enemy of security is complexity. And if you look at a lot of engineering principles, whether it's software development or building aircraft, simplicity is usually used to avoid problems and errors and defects and disruptions. And so for me, it's all about trying to align my security program with as few tools as possible and using my people to build out some additional capabilities where we might have gaps um, so that we don't have 15, 20 different tools on our endpoints. 
Uh, we have very few that, is e that are easy to integrate, work together well, and that are supportable. And so for me, it's really about finding, finding that efficiency so I don't have to maintain a super large team to secure my organization. But is that so achievable when everything is, as you say, more complex, more interconnected? I think it's very achievable. I think it's where it's difficult is in organizations with legacy equipment. So a lot of the complexity is introduced by these legacy systems that can't be upgraded or maintained in a reasonable way. And so a lot of organizations are looking to understand those systems where they are and maybe take some corrective actions to sort of uh, remove them from the environment and focus on building out a new environment or a better environment that is less complex and design in a more efficient way. So a good example might be uh, looking at the WannaCry incident we had last year, which I love to, love to reference because here's a, an incident that resulted in millions of dollars in loss, but when you look at it as a very simple vulnerability and a very simple concept in that a vulnerability that was uh, months old, had not been patched by most organizations, um, was then exploited. And there were a couple different things that could have been done to stop that. First is if organizations understood what was vulnerable, they could have taken uh, action and patched those systems. Likewise, had they known that they had a very old protocol known as SMBV1, which is the type of protocol, Windows protocol, that was used or exploited as part of this attack, uh, was about 20 years old. So you, you could have disabled. There's not many things that required anymore, and so it could have been disabled if people knew that wasn't being used anymore. Um, the third is, in most cases, you don't even need SMB uh, communications across your network. Most people aren't creating network shares on their local computer, and so it's not a necessary part of an organization. And so if they knew about that and knew how it was used, they could have actually disabled it uh, using Windows Firewall to prevent access to it. So there's three different ways this major incident could have been prevented on multiple, uh, in multiple organizations and, and not just through patching. And I think uh, a lot of that challenge was introduced by complexity, lack of visibility into their environment, a lack of tooling that allowed them to take action. And so we here at Tanium think by unifying the ability to get instant visibility into all your devices and understand things like patch levels, uh, what protocols are being used, uh, and what firewall rules are in place on your endpoints is an easy way to understand your, your risk. And then combining that with the ability to take action, you can actually fix things. So rather than having a tool to assess vulnerabilities and a tool to manage your Windows firewalls and a tool to manage configuration, we now have one tool that can do all those things together and create a solid foundation for information security. And whose responsibility is all of this? So in every organization that differs, I'm fairly unique in that I'm responsible for both IT and security as a CSO, and I view my job as mitigating risk. And so risk represented by both availability, so disruption to operational activities, and also um, incidents, computer security incidents. So I view them both the same, and I think that's why in many ways, a CSO is well qualified to run both an IT and a security organization because they're really interested in uh, the values of both organizations, you know, uptime and security incidents, right, and pre preventing uh, a breach, for example. So uh, I think most organizations don't have something like that. They typically have a CIO that reports to a CISO. So I think in most cases, it's going to be the CIO's responsibility to balance both security and operational risk and have security and IT work together on similar work streams. Uh, instead of having them work in more of an adversarial in nature. So a good example of that might be as we, we move more towards like a DevOps-style culture, um, something like vulnerability management, where today, most of the time, a security group will identify vulnerabilities in an uh, operating system, and they will communicate that to or create a ticket for the IT organization, and that'll be the end of it. Um, what we see as being more effective is having those two teams 
working together uh, simultaneously to, to identify vulnerabilities and then that actually solve them in the same platform, but also in the same workflow, so that they're actually responsible together for improving those metrics and working together to understand the risks and how things should be mitigated. You mentioned working together, building a great team. You also mentioned the cyber skills gap. What do you, as global CISO, what do you need from your, your, your employees, from your team? So, uh, you know, to address the, the gap in cybersecurity skills and to attract the right talent, it takes some interesting techniques to do that. Um, so first is, uh, you know, I think you have to be realistic and understand you're never going to attract experts across the board and everything. And so what you need to do is strategically find a few experts that resonate with your culture and values and use them as leaders in your organization to start building out uh, new hires that you may take from uh, great colleges, you may take them from um, an IT organization. So people who are new to the industry and build them up into better cybersecurity staff and grow them into individuals who can function in your organization. So I think there's that growth perspective and the, the I think, unrealistic expectation you're just going to go out and hire everyone. It, it just doesn't work from a cultural perspective either. Um, the other component to that, and I think people often miss this, is uh, management. Management. Uh, there aren't a lot of really long, uh, there aren't a lot of individuals who have been managers or effective leaders in cybersecurity for quite some time. And so I think there's a, still a lot of leaders that are learning how to effectively manage teams in cybersecurity. And I think it's more important in cybersecurity than elsewhere because we'll typically have smaller teams, we'll have a harder time hiring, we'll, we may have more turnover. And so effective management is an extremely important aspect to making sure you're building the right structure you're holding people accountable, and then you're providing with the growth to retain top talent. So I think leadership, especially in cybersecurity, is more important than maybe some other organizations right now just because it is so hard to recruit and retain talent. And then the final aspect of that, I think, is a concept called automation. So we hear about automation and machine learning and all these wonderful things like AI, and I think they're often overblown in terms of their capabilities. But what automation can do, and it's done for many years in the manufacturing industry, for example, is take ma very manual tasks, remove those, and make your team more efficient. So when people buy tools, uh, something like Tanium, for example, um, they're buying it to make their people more effective, to allow them to scale. So I can go out and affect change on one system, but with Tanium now, I can do that same change or same assessment across hundreds of thousands or millions of endpoints. So I've effectively scaled. Uh, and automation also means being able to tie actions together. So in my or own organization, we not only collect information from Tanium to make some decisions, but then enrich it with other data sources in our enterprise, from other security tools, from other IT operational tools, and use that to make decisions that don't have to involve human interaction, or at least to present the data in such a way to allow the human to make an effective decision without having to spend time gathering the information they require. So I think it's that, that key of making sure you're, you're assembling the right group of individuals to, to form your team, uh, a balance of very experienced people, and also uh, individuals you're going to mold into your culture and your team style. Um, having an effective management team to make sure you retain those individuals and they're managed effectively. Um, and then also that technology that allows you to automate easier tasks or manual tasks that uh, typically teams don't want to perform anyway. And as we become deeper entrenched in this cyber world, how have you found your role evolving and changing? What skills have you had to pick up along the way that you perhaps didn't anticipate at the beginning? <laughs> Lots of skills I didn't anticipate having to uh, gather from the beginning. So 
the first is I, uh, I majored in uh, information technology in, in university, and uh, part of that was learning a computer programming language. It was C++ at the time. And uh, I probably should have studied a little bit harder because I wish I was a better engineer at heart. Uh, now I can write scripts and do things like that, but uh, it would have been a lot easier had I better understand, understood code because uh, I think in any modern, uh, any modern CISO now needs to deal with the fact that software is everywhere and becoming part of their job to make sure that software is not only developed securely but maintained in a secure fashion as well. So understanding that secure development lifecycle, understanding software development, I think is key for any CISO nowadays just because any organization, whether you're a car company or I don't you name it, a manufacturing company, they all have some component of probably software development uh, that they have to maintain uh, over time. The other areas is probably a little bit more obvious, and that's developing uh, a business acumen. So being able to interact with leadership, uh, so my CFO, my CEO, obviously I have a much easier time because I'm at a security organization, and so those individuals are, are definitely uh, attentive to my, my requests and needs. I have their support. But most organizations, security isn't top of mind. And so uh, to convince leadership of uh, security's importance, there's quite a bit of education that's required and a good deal of understanding on how to relate complex security topics to business leaders who don't have that background. And it is an extremely difficult thing to do. It'd be like um, going to a board meeting and explain to everyone on, on the board uh, something about your financial statements, but they have no understanding of finance in general, right? It'd be impossible to do. So I think uh, a lot of the top CISOs now are learning how to effectively communicate those uh, concepts better through interesting metrics and analogies and ongoing education so that we can better communicate the importance of cybersecurity and, and the results of what we're doing up to that senior leadership. Leaders want hard facts. They want data science. They want hard numbers. They don't. I mean, there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, doubt. How do you package it to the to the top? Uh, so this this actually took me a little bit of time. So when I first started presenting to leadership, I actually went to a very exact uh, reporting style where I wanted to report to them uh, risks and assign their costs to the company that we expect based on what we call the frequency. So the impact and frequency. Are, help describe the risk, and we provided that in a format of a, a range of numbers, so maybe one to two million per year we expected to lose or something to that effect. Uh, that turned out to be too exact, what we found, and, and the board was much more comfortable receiving information in terms of something they've seen in the past, which is high, moderate, or low. So what I learned from that was each board is, has comfort with a way they've seen it reported in the past, and the first thing you should do is talk to your board and understand how they've seen it reported in the past and start working with that mechanism first. So start where they're familiar and then start of guide them on a journey to where you want to take them. And so what I've been doing is providing education through articles or talking about topics that are top of mind to them. So in, you might take some industry news and relate it back to your organization so they understand how attacks form and what the impact could be. Um, I'm also very consistent, so I talk about uh, very similar risks each time we talk. I talk about what we've done and what we're doing and how that's either increasing or decrease, decreasing risk, hopefully decreasing risk. And then I talk to a series of metrics that I relay back to industry standards. So we use the NIST cybersecurity framework, which provides an ability to rate your maturity in terms of how effective your processes are around the information security process or, or program. And then I also provide some very technical metrics I integrate with that to show how effective are we. So not only how is our process, but 
how is the output of that process uh, measured? Is it effective or is it ineffective? And so it's uh, basically aligned into certain categories, and I can show over time the changes in those categories, and I'll address with them when we see something spike or drop, we can sort of address why that may have happened. So that consistency, see those metrics quarter over quarter is really important for them. So I, I think you know consistency is a key. Um, and then I always dive into one topic with the board. So maybe it's about an audit or a penetration test, or maybe it's a certain technology like blockchain that you want to educate them on. Something to le give them a better perspective of important topic in security and how it may relate to your organization. So you're slowly educating them every time you talk to them. Um, that, that's typically how a board meeting might go in, in my experience. And is there a certain language you have to use? I know you're talking to a security company, so... There's, there's jargon already in place um, and a familiarity with the lexicon, but do you have a certain style with it? Sure. So, uh, you know, I report, uh, when I talk to the board, they're not all security experts. So I, I actually don't have a board full of security experts, which is difficult because internally I do have a, a group of security experts. So I'm very different in how I talk to my internal organization versus the external board as well. So um, I tend to relate terms in them to everyday uh, activities in life. So, for example, describing how, you know, one of, one of the challenges I had when I first joined was this perception that most attacks are, are the result of very advanced, sophisticated actors and very advanced, sophisticated malware and techniques. And you look around in the industry and almost all these attacks we see are actually very, very simple and straightforward. And so, uh, you know, I use analogies in terms of talking about their, their house in terms of saying, well, if we leave the front door open, Right? Anyone can just walk in. So we need to close those holes first before we get to something more advanced, which Orion loves to say, the Russians through the skylights right? type of scenario. So, you, and, and that's how we built out our security program, starting with the foundational components and getting towards some of the more advanced tactics and techniques that we see attackers using. And, they, and those types of analogies, I think, really help uh, relating security back to everyday scenarios that they're in. Well, obviously, resilience is a massive part of what you do. Top tips building a resilient organization? Yeah, so, so resilience is really all about reducing risk, right? And I think sometimes people don't think about it that way. But for me, resilience encompasses two things. One is we want to prevent bad things from happening, prevent disruption from happening. And, you know, in my job, I'm, I, you know, I'm always, it's a very stressful job to have a CISO job because you know eventually something bad is going to happen. It is inevitable that, you know, there will be an incident. And the important thing is we, we try and limit or prevent or mitigate those incidents from happening, but more importantly, we have the resilience to know that if an incident does happen, we can resolve it very quickly and restore normal operations. And that's really the whole part, point of things like incident response and risk management is to get us back to normal operations as quickly as possible. So that's how I think about a lot of the risks in my environment. I know some at some point things may happen, but I have plans in place to restore operations uh, as quickly as possible to limit the damage to the company. Um, and so you think about breaches or incidents, and, and in my experience, you know, I've done uh, over 100 breach investigations in my past life as a consultant. Um, all the big breaches that I investigated, the reason why they were big and not small was because people failed to resolve them in a timely manner. And it wasn't their fault. They may not have detected it early. They may not have the right plan in place. They may have taken the wrong action. So that back-end activity of being able to restore operations quickly, to be, be able to overcome disruption quickly, that response is absolutely critical to making sure that you're not in the news. And what's the future of cybersecurity? 
Wow, I wish I knew that that answer. I think uh, we'll see a few trends in, in cybersecurity, and, and a few of them are fairly obvious. Like one I talked about already is automation. So we'll see continued reliance on automating activities that were typically manual. I don't think we're going to see machines solving our problems or AI catching the bad guys anytime soon. Um, I also think we'll see a consolidation in the industry, and I think we're seeing that now, where people are tired of buying every product under the sun. I think you'll see more experienced individuals architecting better solutions, which means less reliance on security tools and a consolidation towards platforms that um, are easier to manage over time and sort of uh, more resilient. Um, those are the two areas I see major changes in. From a, a you know, perspective of maybe disruption in the security industry, I see a movement of attackers focusing on things like APIs and applications again. Uh, that was something we probably saw back when I was doing investigations in 2008, 2009, 2010. We've seen a lot of focus on the endpoint over the last uh, you know, decade or so, and I think a lot of that's paying dividends. And now you see attackers really focusing on things like uh, you know, APIs that, uh, or, or scripts that are embedded in web page, third-party scripts. You see a lot of third-party attacks in general where they're going after browser extensions that may be embedded at certain places. So the attackers are finding pivoting to the easiest uh, available avenue, and that's what they always do, right? No attacker is going to, de- going to expend the most effort. They're going to find the least, uh, the, the area that requires the least amount of effort. And so uh, this shift to third-party applications, third-party libraries, third-party code, I think will be a, a tremendous and continued uh, story that we'll hear over and over again as more and more companies are compromised. And it's just an evolution of, uh, you know, every organization now has some sort of SaaS product or relies on some third-party processor that has their data. And in some cases, you have hundreds of those organizations, and it's just impossible to, uh, to make sure all of them are as secure as you'd like. Thanks to David. Lots of useful and pertinent points there, I thought. And now, what you've all been waiting for, our cyber tip of the week. Always lock your screen when you leave your PC. Unless, of course, you're happy to be blamed for a data theft that happened when you were away from your desk. In that case, don't worry about it. Thanks for listening. Do stay in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle is at TISS, that's T-E-I-S-S, and tweet us your feedback and your questions. Also, our flagship conference, TICE 2019, is fast approaching in February. We've got an excellent lineup of talks and speakers. More information can be found at the events section of our website, tice.co.uk. For now, it's bye from us. Join us next week for more Cyber Insight.